With that declaration, America was born. Inspired by a belief in the God-given rights of every human being, and in the good that comes from exercising these rights well, the founders of our great nation chose independence. As do we. Hillsdale College accepts no government funding because independence makes possible the good to which we aspire. Muddy Knees Media. Hello and welcome to Series Linked in association with Paddy Power. I'm TV journalist Emma Bullymore. And as ever, I'm joined by my partner in crime, Mark Jeffries from The Mirror. On this week's podcast, we have the star of Misfits, Whitechapel and Line of Duty. The one and only Craig Parkinson is with us. And of course, me and Jeffers will be leaving you with a couple of top telly tips for the week ahead as well. You're listening to Series Linked, the podcast for TV fans by TV fans. Jeffers, how you doing? I'm good, I'm healthy, that's all you can ask for at, at the, the moment. At the moment, fingers crossed. But the big TV news this week I want to ask you about, Jane McDonald, she's quit Channel 5, quit the cruising shows, and the news this week is she's been replaced by Susan Coleman. What do we make of that? Okay, I've got many thoughts about this. First of all, Jane McDonald winning a BAFTA is the best moment in TV history. I was so happy with that. I was there on the night, the whole crowd went wild. I'm a big Jane McDonald fan. So much so that I'm upset by this news. Unless it means that she's going to do Strictly Come Dancing, in which case I'm overjoyed. Yeah, if you listen to this, get get her on Strictly or ITV bosses, get her on her own show. I think she's great. Susan Cameron, it's an interesting choice. The jury's still out on that. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not. It's, it's big shoes to fill, big hair to fill. It's a lot to fill, isn't it? <laughs> but also there's a reason for Jane to be doing that cruising show. She understands that world. That's where she came from. Susan Cameron's great, fine. But I don't know. I don't know if it has that connection in the same way. People do like her, but I don't know if they like her quite as much as Jane. It was a whole package, wasn't it? Jane went over to Channel 5, she did the cruising programmes and the singing programmes, which I assume Susan Kalman isn't doing. I think it's just the cruising. Interesting. Channel 5 will be gutted, I think. Yeah, it's a big loss, a big loss to them, and hopefully someone else's gain. Fingers crossed for Strictly. She would be the best in all the sequins. She probably has all the outfits already. Right, let's move on. Joining us on Series Link today is Craig Parkinson. You may know him better as Sean from Misfits or maybe D.I. Doc Cotton in Line of Duty. But he's here today to talk about his new series, Sandylands. So here he is. It's Craig Parkinson. It's a very different role for you, this, Craig. It's the first time I've ever seen you in a white tuxedo. Tell us a bit about your role and, and why you decided to do Sandylands. Well, hopefully it won't be the last time you see me <laughs> in a sort of get-up. You look good. Um, well, I've been looking to try and get back to doing comedy for ages because I'm, you know, quite well known for doing darker drama. But loads of people don't know. I started out doing comedy back when I was like 21, doing stuff like Black Books and stuff with John Morton for people like us and all sorts of little bits and bobs. But really good comedy is quite hard to come by. There's, there's lots of mediocre stuff. And I think if you hit great comedy, it's kind of a no-brainer. And when I got sent the script, I think I accepted it on just reading the first scene alone through my character's first line, which I just laughed at. I thought it was brilliant. I could tell a lot of things about my character just from that first line, Um, so I was kind of sold. And then when I saw all the great people that got on board and I was filming something else and they managed to make dates work, so it all kind of fell into place. So set it up a little bit for us. What's it about? So Sandylands is a new three-part comedy 
on gold and what they're doing brilliantly is they're showing it on three consecutive nights Wednesday, Thursday, Friday it all starts with Emily which is Natalie Jew's character who's long gone from her hometown uh, but she's drawn back because uh, she finds out that there's been an awful padlock accident involving her dad and he is lost at sea so she comes back to discover what has exactly happened and she meets a lot of new interesting people it's pretty incredible cast. Yeah, it's amazing, right? Every every scene, you're like, oh, it's him and it's her mm. from that, which is exactly what you want. Yeah. David Williams, for example, which is a pretty big deal. Everybody. Sophie Thompson, who's just a legend who I love. Simon Bird, Hugh Bonneville. I mean, Natalie, Sanjeev. You put those people in front of you and you say, do you want to go and work with these people? Yeah, well, yeah, absolute no-brainer. They're all brilliant and all lovely. And I must admit, it was a really short shoot. Uh, it was only three weeks long and... I had a, a tiny little window to do all my stuff and we just had a real laugh. But hopefully not too much of a laugh because I don't want... Uh, sometimes if you're watching a comedy and you go, yeah, I bet they had a really good laugh. I wish I was laughing at home, but I hope that people are going to get involved. Well, it's really unpretentious, isn't it? Some comedies have got to the stage now where you feel like you don't necessarily get the in-jokes or they're a bit niche, but this is, I feel, very easy to get on board with. You know, it's very easy in comedy to punch down and no one's doing that in this show at all. I think what Martin and Alex have of pot on paper and with Michael directing I mean we just had a lot of fun we were able to sort of play about but also do stuff that we can stick to the script and then just go off piste and play around with it we should say really as well that I think the style is quite different to most other comedy out there at the moment there's a bit I've, I felt like reminded me a bit of say Benidorm or Scarborough that a lot of people like but got axed after one series it's kind of a little bit nostalgic and Quite a straightforward sitcom, not trying to be too clever. Would you, would you agree with that? It's a love letter to Seaside Town. And growing up in Blackpool the way I did, this sort of comedy was available to me growing up all the time. And it seems more and more now there's there can be a slight snobbishness to this style. But I think, you know, I was talking to someone before who, who'd watched it and they said, yeah, at first, for the first few minutes, I thought, oh, what's this? And then all of a sudden, as soon as you click into the tone of it and into the world and into these characters, you kind of buy into it because... It all does come from a place of truth at some point because I know I know characters like this. I know characters like Terry Chino, who were the entertainment on Blackpool Pier growing up. Uh, not that it would be my go-to when when I was a kid at all. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing an Elton John and Kiki D duet, but without a Kiki D. Yes, uh, <laughs> my Kiki D has been deported, and that's all I can say on that matter. But yeah, no, that's a very funny scene. Is that cringy to film? Like, would you? Kind no, of... no, because <laughs> because if it becomes cringy for you as a character, as somebody who somebody truly believes that he's saving the world with entertainment, <laughs> you know, this guy thinks he's the Bob Geldof of Sandylands. <laughs> if I, as an actor, are cringing, then that's going to come across. I have to truly believe it. It, it needs to be cringy for the people watching it. Um, so yeah, hopefully, cringe away. <laughs> and have you done much karaoke yourself in the past, Mark? I am the king of karaoke. <laughs> I take karaoke very, very seriously. No, I love karaoke, yeah. I just What's don't... your go-to song, then? <sighs> you name it, I'll sing it, mate, to be honest. I have a list, I have a repertoire as long as my arm. And obviously lots of people will know you for Line of Duty. Mm. When you were in that, it was still very popular, but it's just gone on. Every series is just... And, and you're still a reference and you're still part of it. What's that been like, finishing a show, but then sort of being part of the legacy and watching it grow? Well, it's just been kind of amazing because you're always so proud to have 
been in something from the start and, and watched it grow. I mean, when we started Series 1, it was this little show on BBC Two that we all believed in and we all uh, had faith in and knew it was great, but you never really expect it to blow up in a way. And I think if you do expect um, certain shows you're in to blow up, then you, you can be bitterly disappointed. I don't think you should run away with yourself like that. I'm just so proud of what it's done for everybody and the quality of work speaks for itself. You know, you've got Kelly McDonald guest starring now in Series 6. The writing just gets stronger and stronger, but it's kind of nice just to watch it as a viewer. <laughs> which, which was quite hard at the beginning for, to watch um, sort of Tanya Newton and Jason Watkins in series four because it took me a bit of time because I was thinking, oh, wait a minute, what? Oh, I should be... No, I'm not there anymore. Right, OK. And then you just click into it. But no, I'm extremely proud of everybody and Jed's writing is just, as ever, superb. What did you make of how the last series ended with the, the fingers and all the new theories that are coming forward? The great thing about Jed's writing is... You can never second guess what he's going to do. That's what he's always done. And what puts him head and shoulders above a lot of other writers on telly is he's a few steps ahead of the audience. The audience are never a few steps ahead of him. And now I'm one of those people. So I'm just with everybody else. I don't know what's going to happen. So don't ask me. No one asked me. <laughs> and just to go back even further, Craig, I just want to ask you a few questions that you'd normally ask your sort of... Uh guests on on your podcast right um, did you always want to be an actor you know when you were when you were growing up was it always something you wanted to do um it was really i kind of knew from a very early age much to the laughter of a lot of pupils and teachers at my school so i just kind of had to have the the self-belief that it was going to be a viable career for me even though i didn't really know at the time obviously and i don't think you know you do so how did you get involved? Did you do workshops and all things like that? Is that how you went? I started to... out doing school plays that were written to coax me back into the classroom. <laughs> then I went on to there was a, it, sadly it's not there anymore. When you you leave school at sixteen, a lot of people in the northwest would go to a place called Blackpool and File College, which was a great building and had a great pedigree of people. David Thewlis went there and John Sim went there. Lots of people from the north. So you would go there prior to coming to London to drama school if that was the path that you're going to take but obviously I was very lucky to be on the end of the grant system nowadays you know I speak to a lot of young actors and I get emails and messages all the time going there's no possible way that I could afford to go to drama school now but it isn't the only way as we've seen you know there's organizations like Open Door which are doing incredible work in helping underprivileged kids to help them get educated because every child has a has a right to be educated surely so uh, people are breaking down the barriers more and more but as I say yeah I was very lucky to do that and was there a particular role where you kind of felt like oh this is a job for life or like a breakthrough part for you no I'm still waiting for it Mark, to be honest. <laughs> no, I mean look I do consider myself really lucky the the people who I work with and the, the characters that I get to play. And when did you decide that you wanted to do the podcast? I kind of was thinking about I wanted to do something and stretch myself and do something kind of completely different because I've always been... I remember when I was doing lots of press earlier on in my career as an actor, and I always felt, as a lot of actors do, they feel quite uncomfortable when they're having to come on and sell a show and be themselves. So I thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something and I'm going to be myself and learn to try and find my own broadcasting voice we'll start off by talking to a few of my friends and then we'll see where it goes and then I got Thomas Griffin on board my producer and within two or three weeks we were set up and we were recording and it's been 
onwards and upwards since then, really, yeah. And we love it. Lots of people love it. But mm, what thank you. have you found through hosting it? Have you found lots of common threads come out when you're talking to actors about similar experiences? Well, there, there's lots of common threads through everybody because um, about a year and a half ago, I decided to switch it up and open the door to sort of all sorts of creatives now. So a few weeks ago, we had Gary Usher on, who's quite a renowned chef from the north of England, and see, there's there's similarities in growing up through him, and other people connect with it. And because we know when I talk to actors, I don't talk about their work. We talk about the human aspect. That's why all the really lucky to have all the listeners that we do. And there's a lot of people that aren't involved in any sort of art scene whatsoever, whether whether that's you know baking cakes in the kitchen or writing poetry or painting or being an actor. So they can connect with it on that human aspect. So One think, other aspect I noticed that comes up quite a lot is the audition process for TV, I think for actors in general. Mm. And I noticed perhaps with some of the people that come on, there seems to be a bit of a frustration that it can be a bit less personal now. Do you think that's a fair thing? There's a lot of people saying they, they only want video sent in or perhaps they don't feel you get as much time. I, I noticed there was a, a frustration with some of the actors maybe that the process has, has changed. Yes, yeah, some of that comes up every now and again. You know, what you're talking about now is the self-taping yeah. process for actors. Yeah, it does happen more and more because people just can't, you know, it, it takes a lot of time and negotiation to get everybody in the room. So you need the casting director there, you need the producer there, you need the director there. And sometimes it's just not possible. But I think what some actors may find frustrating is that they're only showing our version of this character that they're doing. They're not sitting down and talking to them so the people can't get to know who this person is so you get you only see one side and also you only go off your take right I'm, well I've been sent this script and this is my take we can't work on it we can't collaborate in the room because you're not there so what do we do to change it I don't know does it frustrate uh, other casting directors does it frustrate directors I don't know maybe that's something I need to discuss further would you be less likely to go for a role if you, if they asked you to self-tape or would you you'd still go for it or Again, that would all depend on... How much you on, wanted the role. It would all depend on the part, on the script and the team, who was directing, who was producing. It, it will work because I'm a big believer in complete collaboration in this business to go in there thinking it's us and them. You want a downward spiral, I think. It seems to me that it's quite a good time to be an actor because there's so much great stuff going on, so many channels, so many platforms that surely all need <laughs> actors. so much to choose from. Well, yeah, there's all work out there. You know, I remember saying to a younger actor a few years ago who was getting very frustrated and he was just, he was going into auditions and he was just completely losing it and crumbling. And I was saying, you know, you're going in there, they want to cast somebody, they need somebody, so you don't have to get all nervous. You go in there going, they want to fill this role, so help them, be that person to do it. I don't know if it changed anything, but, you know... Sounds wise to me. It's a a bit of advice, isn't it, after 20 (laughs) years of doing it? When you were going for the the role for Black Mirror, I just wondered, was that process any different? I I sort of imagine it being top secret and, and, you know, no no sort of scripts being sent out. What was that like? It was all very top secret, but I was very lucky, you know, when this happens, you do thank your lucky stars. I didn't have to audition for Black Mirror, but I got sent the script. I was recording some podcasts in the day and I had to cancel one and I got sent this huge, huge Black Mirror script because as everybody, if, if you've seen uh, Bandersnatch, you'll know that there's various avenues that you can go down, so it's very sort of choose your own. So it's not your conventional script at all. It was really thick, so it took me a long time to sort of get through it and it was just a constant process of, of working on it and everybody was 
so excited because nobody had done anything like this before. So everybody was just baby steps and holding everybody together. But obviously, you know, you've got Charlie and Annabelle at the helm. So, yeah, you know you're in good hands. Was it a bit kind of Groundhog Day strange to act it, it out? It was bonkers. Yeah. It was madness. <laughs> but in the best possible way. But you did have to catch yourself on and go, right, where are we now? What what have we just filmed? Where, have I just, spoiler, been smashed over the head with an ashtray or am I being buried <laughs> in the garden? I don't really know where we are. Or, you know, and then you've got to think about timeline. Is this prior to this person's death? Is this after? So you just had, to, as, any, as with every script, you've just got to know it backwards and do your homework. But you're constantly referencing the script. It was like everybody had it with them all the time. It was like the Bible. And you couldn't really tell anyone either when you come home from work or go down the pub or whatever, you, because it obviously only got announced at the, at the end. You yeah. couldn't really tell anyone what you were doing on it. But also, imagine trying to explain that to somebody. Yeah. One, <laughs> you couldn't, and two, they wouldn't believe you anyway, would they? That sounds that sounds ridiculous and bonkers. Yeah, it's all those things, but a lot of fun. Yeah, a I'm lot sort of, of surprised that there haven't been more like that off the back of it. Maybe just because it was so complicated. Yeah, I think it was really complicated. And also... You know, it was a lot of hard work for everybody. But, and you know what Charlie's like, once he's done something, he probably doesn't want to do it again. He's done it now. He's proved that he can do that. Um, he's, I'm sure he's just moving on, yeah. But just in general, I remember being mm. asked a lot. Do you oh, think, with other people, yeah, you Yeah, on Netflix, they're going to do loads of choose-your-own type things, but it hasn't that, really happened like that. It hasn't so far, but I, I think I remember sort of the rumblings of certain children's programmes trying it out or certain cartoons and... Uh, who did try one? I, w- I want to say Steve Backshaw, but I don't think it was Steve Backshaw. You know the kids, what does he do? You know, he goes, yeah, he's an adventurer. Yeah, he's an adventurer, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. Either him or someone like him was doing something like that, where you go, oh, no, I'm going to fall into a pit of crocodiles. Right, put, put him into a pit, pit of crocodiles or a pit <laughs> of vipers. Go on, get in there. And to bring it back right back to present day, Sandylands looks like it's set up for more. Would you like to do more? Well, if the appetite's there for more, I think we would probably all like to do more. Um, just all get back together and maybe for a bit longer than a, a few weeks this time, yeah. What's brilliant, what UK TV and Gold have done, instead of just giving a pilot one part, they've gone, well, we'll tell a story in three parts. So then you can get a progression, you can start to invest into the characters. It's always very hard just chucking one episode out there or something and going, oh, what do you think, and dangling that carrot. Uh, it's always a gamble. Whereas if you give somebody a little bit more time, and what Martin and Alex had was, was more, more space to improve the scripts, which they did, um, so I think it's really healthy. Yeah. And what are you watching at the moment, Craig? Oh, I don't know. I'm on the school run all this week. So I'm a bit tired. Not a lot. Really not a lot. Like radio and podcasts are kind of taking over my life at the moment. I do try and watch like certain friends if they're in things because, you know, you want to support your mates. It, it can be odd. Like I would never, I would purposely shy away from watching anything that I was in because, you know, you just start to see the cracks and you're just looking at it from... Behind the settee, I wouldn't want to do that. But it's uh, it's just about making time. Once you've you've got an eight and a half year old to bed and you've made some tea, it's like half past nine, and I probably just fall asleep in front of the sofa. But I loved, I do love television so much. It's just about making time for it. So much now is so brilliant that requires concentration. This is why I think MasterChef is so popular because people just don't have they're in the same position that I just want something quiet and easy before I go to bed. Yeah, and everybody loves MasterChef, don't they? Come on. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, it's all right, but you know, I don't think it's the best thing that's on telly. Oh, never said that, but <laughs> <laughs> just any sort of food programme for me and I'm there. And would you tend to binge stuff then, Craig, if you were watching drama? Would you, or, or do you like 
do you still like the old process, like with Line of Duty, say, watching one a week? How do you kind of tend to, when you do watch something, how do you kind of absorb it? It all depends, one, about time. It really does. Two, what mood I'm in. And three, the exact type of programme. Like, at the moment, I'll tell you what one thing I'm really enjoying at the moment, it's just come back to me, is This Country, mm, which is great. on BBC Three. It's the last series, so they're only putting one episode out a week. Now... I want more of that. If that was there, given as a box set, I would just stay up and, and binge it all completely. It's a bit like the new series of Kirby Enthusiasm. See, now it's all coming back to me. Yeah. See, you know? And you often end your podcast, Craig, asking the person, are you happy? So I feel like we should end by asking you, are you, are you happy? I'm just pausing for dramatic effect. <laughs> nice. um, do you know what? I, yeah, I'm really happy, thanks. Yeah. Sandylands is a three-part series running on gold this week, ending on Friday, and it will be available on Catch Up as well. So it's time now to welcome back Amy Jones from Paddy Power. She's here with the latest odds to help us predict the future of the telly. How are you doing, Amy? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. What have you got for us today? I've got Eurovision. Yes. Um, Everyone's been talking about it this week, and everyone's been particularly talking about Iceland. I'm very excited about this myself. I've gone big. I've put a whole fiver on. Jeffers, I'm so shocked you're not into Eurovision usually. <laughs> well, I think I got an eight to one and I know that's all gone lo- a long time ago, hasn't it, Amy? I think they're pretty much the favourites to win now after a big sort of social media presence. Lots of people talking about it on Twitter and stuff. Yeah, that's spot on. It's showing off there that you're <laughs> to one because it's been, it was 20 to one uh, a couple of weeks ago and then now in at seven to two, yeah, eight to one was, you've done really well there and they're the <laughs> seven to two favourites. Of all the bets we've taken so far on Eurovision, I think over three quarters of them have been on Iceland, which is pretty unbelievable. And the reason we're talking a lot about Eurovision this week is because they've announced the UK entry. Beforehand, there were some rumours it was going to be Lewis Capaldi. I got really excited. But who is it, Jeffers? It's a guy called James Newman. It's basically the brother of John Newman, who, who is quite well known. Uh, James is a bit of a, he's quite a good songwriter. He's written songs for like Eddie Gould and Little Mix, but never really been in front of the mic himself. He's not I, Adele though, is he? He's no. not Ed Sheeran. I'm presuming Amy, he's, he's a bit of an outsider, right? Yeah, he's a huge outsider. He's 50 to 1. Wow. Um, and I think that's actually gone out a little bit. But what, what our traders were saying was that's slightly shorter than last year's entry. But yeah, 50 to 1. And when you're at 50 to 1 in the Eurovision, I feel like you could add another zero on that, to be honest. That's, that's really tough. And the other big thing is obviously we've got Graham Norton, who sort of commentates, hosts it, normally very, very good value, a lot of uh, amusing comments. If people wanted to have a bit of fun with Graham, can they bet on, you know, whether he's going to reference certain things? Is there any, any sort of fun bets they can have with that? <laughs> yeah, we have got some really fun ones here. I mean, I think you can probably guess which we think is the most likely that he's going to bring up, and that's coronavirus. That's <laughs> on at 1 to 50. He's 1 to 10 on to mention any member of the royal family. He's 1 to 12 odds on to mention fake tan, to reference fake tan at any point. <laughs> and he's 2 to 1 to reference somebody falling asleep. Brilliant. Well, I wonder if he looks at those odds and thinks, right, I'm going to change my script so that I can make some people some money. <laughs> Feels like it's on for a long time, so I guess he gets through a lot of these things. I'm sure I'm sure he's going to say quite a few of these things over the course of three or four hours, isn't it? It's a, it's a long old show, so... So what was coronavirus 1 to 50? Yeah, odds on. So, you, so what you does that mean? Win, you wouldn't be winning much money for that, but like 8 to 1 is somebody jumping off the top of the wardrobe to get into their outfit. Um, Madonna's <laughs> eye patch. 
Madonna's eye patch is four to one, so probably a bit more money to be made in those. Can you also bet on the in terms of the viewing figures? How how big are you expecting it to be this year? Because it, I think it's it's still a big big draw. I I definitely still watch it. I'm hoping I might go this year, but it's not quite as popular as it used to be. No, that's it. Um, so I think last year it was up. It's about seven point seven million is what I'm reading here. So it's fifty to one that it will be over ten million. So not not quite that huge, but yeah, you know, seven point seven million last year apparently. So that's not too bad. If Adele had been on it, like you say, Emma, then you'd have 10 million, wouldn't you? I guess that's that's the thing. And, and until we get an established name as as a singer, I think it's, it's probably going to slowly drop down. And, and the other countries since Brexit, I just don't think we're going to get many votes. You never know, Jeffers. Hope is everything. OK. The Cheltenham Festival is drawing ever nearer. And what better way to gear up for the greatest show on turf than hearing from the winning most festival jockey of all time. Join Ruby Walsh, Paddy Power, Tom Nugent and a whole host of great guests each week on Paddy Power's racing podcast, From the Horse's Mouth. Tune in for analysis, interviews and a bit of crack. You're listening to Series Linked. Make sure you subscribe to the channel for the biggest TV interviews and to stay on top of all the best shows on the box. Click subscribe, takes two seconds. That's almost it for this episode of Series Linked, but we can't let you go without telling you what you should be watching on the telly. So what's caught your eye, Jeffers? Well, it's the return of Celebrity Bake Off. It's next Tuesday, 8 o'clock on Channel 4. I wouldn't normally go for this, but episode one features Louis Theroux. Now, this the, is madness. I cannot believe Louis Theroux is doing this. The idea of Louis squaring off with Paul Hollywood, I just think that the meeting of those two minds is going to be really <laughs> good. Um, there's lots of other guests further down the run. The episode four's got Alex Jones from The One Show and James Blunt in. I'm quite interested to see that as well. And it's it's all for stand-up to cancer. So I think it's, it's quite a nice thing, but particularly just mainly watching it for Louis Theroux. I'm throwing it over to you. I think I know what you're going to pick and I want you to sell it to me. So tell me what your choice is. The best show of last year is back for series two. That's what you need to know. It's a big sell. This is Race Across the World. Yes, come on. It has been extended to eight parts because everyone loves it. If you remember last year, couples or pairs had to travel from London to Singapore without getting on a plane, without using a mobile phone for the price of an air ticket. It sounded like, yeah, that'll be all right. I watched that. It was addictive. It was brilliant. People loved it. Not a celeb in sight. Excellent. So they're back. This time they're going from Mexico City to the most southerly city in the world in Argentina. So how do I pronounce that? Ushuka or something. Ushuka. I don't know. But anyway, it's going to be great. 20 hours it would take you by a plane, but it's going to take them forever to, to travel the length of Latin America. It's just brilliant. It's a brilliant concept. It's neat. Last time everyone fell in love with this father and son double act, Darren and Alex. They had a fractured relationship. They came closer together through the journey. And that's going to happen again. We've got a couple of siblings. I mean, I suppose it's slightly more cynically cast second time around, but a couple of siblings who say this is going to save our relationship or not. Mother and son doing it together, a couple who are testing their sort of romantic relationship. It's just a brilliant format. You get to see these amazing parts of the world. You get to see people backpacking in tricky situations. We're going through mountains, deserts, jungles. It's great telly. Starts on Sunday. I'm sold. I'm going to give it a go this time. I remember last year it was a bit of a slow burner and by the end loads of people were talking about it so hopefully right from the off this time everyone's going to give it a go. Well I hope they will because they won't be disappointed. Right, thanks Jeffers. That's all we've got time for I'm afraid. This has been the Series Linked podcast in association with Paddy Power. If you've enjoyed it go on, make this the week where you give us a little five star rating and a review. We would appreciate it so much. And make sure you've subscribed as well so that you don't miss the next episode when it drops on Thursday morning. For now, though, bye-bye. See you next week. Muddy Knees Media. Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time.
Can I be real with you for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it, but nobody is gonna do it for you. Nobody is gonna push you out of bed to work out. Nobody is gonna make you eat better. But here's the thing, nobody has to, because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. Two and a half million people, each doing the Beachbody program that fits our own goals. Over 80 to choose from. Some that take just 20 minutes a day. Nutrition plans that teach you how to eat healthy and still enjoy food. What we all have in common is we know it's not easy, so we help each other. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. That's why I'm inviting you to try our amazing Beachbody fitness and nutrition programs. Let us help you succeed. Here's Al. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great.